Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Parker's gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 224. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. And I'm Adam. This week, this we continue week. our celebration of Black History Month. There's a mutant madness on the horizon. We recap Peacemaker Season 1. And then we've got the news, the issues. And as always, we want to plug me, Daddy. Um, but first, a bit of housekeeping. We, and by we, I mean Kaylin and I, did our second official Creator Crush with an amazing writer, writer David Boer. Creator Crush is our interview series where we chat with our favorite comic book creators, learning more about their work, their thoughts on the industry, and what makes them so darn special. David is an extremely queer writer. I don't know why I wrote extremely queer. With <laughs> we are an X-Men podcast. It's extremely <laughs> queer with an X. He would, I think he would love it after having talked to him. I think I meant to write extremely prolific and then just changed it to queer. With a rapidly expanding portfolio of work, including writing and co-creating the all-ages fantasy series Kanto, published by IDW, the definitely not all-ages and very camp Killer Queens by Dark Horse, and he also recently started Rain, an image miniseries adapting Joe Hill's horror story. Um, and if you're Firefly fans, he is blowing up there. Kaylin, what'd you think of the interview? Uh, it was a really fun conversation. He's such a delight. And I definitely, creator crush is the right way to say it because I definitely got a crush on him. He's, he's very easy on the eyes. Uh, not that that's the, the factor, but he's ador- He's adorable, I should say that. And he did uh, a Simpsons reference that immediately I was like, oh my God, I think I'm in love. Uh, but um, uh, Brent, who couldn't be on this podcast, you know, does our bar sinister, created a cocktail this week inspired by the Killer Queens called the Killer Queen, a.k.a. Fuck Rogers. Uh, it's essentially it's a cosmopolitan, um, but it's a very delicious one. And we posted it and David was very sweet. He's like, oh, my God, I think I finally made it. I have a drink named after one of my comic creations. So it was very sweet. <laughs> Well, yeah, definitely check it out and then check out his work. It's uh, awesome stuff. If there's anybody you want us to be mixing and mingling with, make sure to just hit us up and let us know about who would be great for our show. and Who fits our cool jam that you all love listening to so much? Um, Clark, I know, it's our cool jam. We're just jamming out tonight. It's the Three Caballeros. Um, Clark, I think you have some uh, Black History Month celebration for us. Yeah, I've been having issues with liking shows and stuff this year so far. And the only things that I actually liked inadvertently, besides one Portuguese comedy on HBO Max called <laughs> Bunked, are, or Bunker, excuse me, are five different animated shows. And I guess that's just where I'm going this year. Um, and I'm going to mention two, other than Smiling Friends, Summer Camp Island, which I fucking love. My friend Nikki and I are seemingly going to be doing a podcast on it at some point, she's decided. Um, oh. And Vox Machina, that one is on um, Amazon. Oh, is, you like uh, that? Okay, I'm going to come back to that because I do want to yeah, hear Yeah, that's actually very good. Yeah. And I will mention it slightly. Um, so these two, two shows I'm going to talk about are The Cuphead Show, which is that weird uh, video game of like kind of old Disney-fied cartoon characters in black and white that have now, I'll talk in a minute. And the other one is um, Dota Dragon's Blood based on the uh, Dota 2 video game. And the reason I'm bringing those two up is that both of them have a lead character. The lead character, the Cuphead show, is voiced by an African-American um, um, voice actor, uh, True Valentino, who is also in the show The Rookie currently. And he's done a lot of stuff. He plays Black Panther in one of the Spider-Man com- cartoon series that's going on right now. So he's a really good uh, character, uh, voice actor. And, I mean, his character is funny and bizarre as hell. 
the series <laughs> itself is very different from the TV show. I mean, excuse me, from the video game, which is they're basically like collecting souls for the devil. And this one, they're trying not to like get their souls taken away by the devil. It's, it's not quite as kiddy as it could be, but I, it's, it's really good just the same. And then Dragon's Blood is, um, you know, Tony Todd from oh, uh, Candyman yeah. and the Final Destination movies. He plays Slyrak, who is this like red dragon, one of like the eight primordial dragons basically that is killed, but then grafts himself onto, I forgot the name of the fucking character, but uh, onto a human. So they actually are kind of like sharing one body kind of thing. And I mean, he's, I just love his voice so much. So he's like a great voice actor. And I feel like I don't see or hear enough African-American voices in voice acting as much as I should. Talking about Vox Machina, the seven lead characters are not voiced by um, African-American voice um, actors, but it's because those seven characters have been, it's, it's a podcast oh, that wow. they've done for years and it's, they're not going to change the voices because they're the ones who created it. Um, but two of the leads, um, one is one, two of the minor leads, you know, whatever the fuck they'd be called. Gina Torres, who you know, has been into tel- millions and millions of TV shows. Firefly. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was based on, yeah. Um, and then I'm trying to think of the other guy's name, uh, who plays the king. So the, the, the king is a person of color who is kind of wishy-washy sometimes, but he's still a good character. Um, so I guess that's what I'm focusing on right now. And yeah, since I'm not going to be here in a couple 30 minutes or so to do my, what the hell is it called? You plug Fuck delicious, delicious. I think yeah. is what you want to say. Anyways, um, I do say you should watch all the shows I just mentioned, but do not watch. <laughs> and you can, there's a show on Netflix called Cat Burglar, which is, it's like one where it's based on yes. Charlie Booker, you know, who did, um, oh God. Anyways, what's that horrible one? Jabberwocky. What the hell was that horrible thing that was, black mirrors anyways you know the ones the netflix like you, you're literally like pressing buttons oh, and your adventure yeah stuff. yeah the interactive. everybody for cat burglars like this is the greatest blah 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 so yeah where you're basically yeah trying to get all this i don't know bandersnatch works too jaggerwalky um the problem <laughs> is that actual name like you're fuck. making choices like you're trying to answer trivia questions like best places to poop and it'll be like one side it'll say like a cup and then like a baby's mouth you have to choose which ones we do that it's not really that but they are pretty dark sometimes uh, and the, so it's, it's great and they always have different storylines different this different that and then suddenly you have to get six different paintings you have to do the whole thing over again and all those sto- all those little like choices suddenly there aren't enough for the going through six times so it becomes a boring fucking chore by the um, end in order to get the full story it's i i wanted to punch it in the face and i know all the reviews are based on the fact that they they played it once not the six yeah, like, you got through. me so excited because i love banner snatch i just love interactive like choose your own adventure but play it once play it twice play it twice and yeah I'll do that i'm tonight. not gonna get anything else out of it play it twice today. get through two different paintings um yeah besides that watch the cuphead show i think it's 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 really good don't I think your your plug me daddy is actually Netflix because isn't everything you meant? No, Vox Machina is on Amazon. Everything else is on Netflix. Correct. Right? And and, yeah. and Smiling Friends is on HBO Max. Summer Camp Islands on HBO Max. Bunk Bunker is on HBO Max. Only two out of six are on Netflix. You see. There you go. You've got too many plugs in you, Clark. You've got to stop, Daddy. <laughs> well, I was trying to support everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Except um, for Cat Burger. <laughs> He's magnanimous. Oh my gosh. Let's move on to our preview of Mutant Madness. Kaylin. 
So next month, uh, Homo Superior, that's us, if you uh, were paying attention, we'll be asking all of you, yes, you, uh, listeners, to vote on your favorite X-Men storylines over the decades in a March Madness-style bracket. What's it called, you ask? Mutant Madness, because we're all uncreative hacks. So we've broken down the storylines into four uh, major divisions, uh, just like you would in a Mutant or in a March Madness bracket. So the first one, it's the Claremont era. Uh, essentially the 1980s, uh, but it includes storylines like the Dark Phoenix Saga, Mutant Massacre, and the original Inferno. Uh, next up is the extreme 90s. Uh, not like extreme like David Boer, but extremely like, or like extreme <laughs> like the mutants were uh, during that decade. And it includes storylines like Executioner Song, Age of Apocalypse, and the Onslaught Saga. Next up, something that uh, we're calling the rise and the fall of the mutants. Basically, it's the odds. It's starting with the Morrison era, but then going through decimation and then up to utopia. And then finally, it's uh, the inverse. It's the fall and rise of the mutants, uh, which is the teens and the early 20s, starting with schism uh, and then going all the way up to the end of uh, Hickman's era. So round one is going to start on March 1st uh, in just a few days and then go through March 16th. Round two is going to go from March 17th to the 24th. The Sweet 16 runs from March 25th through the 28th. Elite eight is March 29th and 30th. Final four is going to be at the end of the month on March 31st. And then the winner is going to be announced on April 1st. And you're all going to help decide who the winner is. And you can do it through uh, our Twitter at X, where you can vote uh, every day. Uh, and on our Instagram at Podcast. And each week on podcast, we'll go through uh, the storylines that we put up for a vote and who the winners were, uh, and then talk about why we thought they won. So uh, that's what Mutant Madness is all going to be about. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be super interactive. Uh, and we hope which, you all participate. Which storyline are you rooting for, Kaylin? Uh Operation Zero Tolerance, because I have zero tolerance for you now, Adam. <laughs> I'm I kidding. Say, no. If that was the top one, then you should go kill yourself. <laughs> absolutely not it's nobody that was like one of the big ones i read and i even as a child was like this is not good no it's trash um it led to some okay storylines but i mean i think characters. i think Maybe i think hot fox is probably my favorite still uh, to this day after mm. you know even like great storylines like like extinction agenda and inferno and age of apocalypse like hot fox is is where i would like to go with it clark who are you? you who are you feeling good about none you don't want any of the storylines to win. I need to relook at it. I don't know what he's talking about. Literally, name a fucking X Men storyline you like, bitch. Uh, War of the Roses. There we go. That's, That's the one that I remember too. Yeah. Uh, I'm going in on uh, Age of Apocalypse, obviously. My yeah. favorite. Uh, <laughs> I am yeah. going to be one of those diehards that I'll be like 90 years old. They'll have been like 17,000 other much better storylines, and I'd still say. Just bury me with my four compendium. <laughs> I'm going to say when they went back to the Age of Apocalypse and that storyline was terrible. That's the one. That, oh, you <laughs> that was a, it was called Extinction. And there's two extinctions during that time. But this is the one that starts with an X, not an E. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. There's only so many so, things you can put an X in front of without something in front of it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, uh, I'm hearing a little noise. We're hearing a <laughs> Newsflash. I usually someone says that and not me. Um, and then someone says it's the news, but Clark is mad about it. But they won't. 
<laughs> because it's me. Um, so I'm not going to bring this up because I want to, but because it connects to what we're going to talk about in a minute. You know how Russia has um, uh, attacked Ukraine and basically declared war and they're monsters from hell? It hasn't been a great yeah. week. <laughs> it's been a horrible yeah. week. And the reason I'm bringing it up, other than the fact that I've hated Russia and I constantly hate Russia all the time and say it too much on this podcast, <laughs> is that we have gotten casting news on two Russian characters from Sony's <laughs> Spider-Verse for the movie Craven the Hunter. Which what a segue. Is, I know. Well, I mean, you know what? We're talking about fucking Russian characters. The chameleon is played by Freck. Fred Heckinger, who was his anus was licked in the TV show White Lotus. <laughs> and then uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, who played Quicksilver, is going to be Craven. Are you excited for these two? Is this, should we even have fucking characters, like a movie starring Russians at this moment? <laughs> I mean, it's not the people we're mad at, it's the government. So it's I think that's Putin fine. <laughs> Yeah, but not if the not if the, they're going to make Craven an anti-hero out of this. If it's his movie, yeah. right? But like I, I Natasha that, Romanoff is Russian. Yeah, well, that's another <laughs> problem. Is that how, how are they going to do all of this? How are they going to have her? Are, are they, they're going to have to show them as like complete defectors from that country. Oh, to make yeah, palatable. yeah. They're not, they're, they yeah. can't just be. Russian, and that's it in this era, clearly based on what's happened today. Well, so going back to Craven for a second, I actually have a bigger issue with it, him not being a villain in a Spider-Man movie. Oh, 100%. Like, I, I, like, I'm like, like Sony trying to make this, this you know, the Sony-verse or Spider-verse or whatever happen just isn't working for me unless, you know, there are Spider-Man characters in it that like, like, like you know, um, across the Spider-verse part one, which is going to be coming out a little bit later this year. But um, I mean, you had Black Widow as a character in you know in comics on uh, Marvel Comics since the '60s, and I mean that was like the height of the Cold War. I mean through the '80s, and so you you, you found a way to make it like she was basically a defector, you know, to your point. So I think I think they'll find a way to do it. Uh, I just think all of this is just we're too close to it. It's too fresh. Uh, well, that's the problem. So it's I, currently so fresh that it's literally happening, and the fact that everyone can see this movie versus the. the comic reading populace of 1964 is very different from the amount of people who will see this movie smashed into their faces every second in trailers and and just commercials and ads but when is the movie coming out i would not i would not imagine at least for another couple of years i think probably it's... a year and a half from now yeah yeah so you're aiming no it's literally less than a year they're aiming for january 13th and they're still signing all right for 2023 and they're still That's signing gonna... people on to play roles or announcing well, that's not going to happen. So I'm hoping, I'm the optimist in me, hopefully maybe this gets resolved to a certain degree without going into full-fledged war. But, uh, you know, the uh, realist in me knows that probably won't happen. No. But I don't know. It, that's I'm like the least of my concerns about all of this. <laughs> yeah, I love how you're <laughs> like, I, that's the, well, we got to focus on the lens that we write this podcast for, right? Like, how will yeah. the Russia-Ukraine possible World War III affect the casting news first? It's Crazy. important. I mean, I'm also having trouble just thinking about having to suffer through all of this Russia stuff in um, X-Force is going to be well, that, exhausting yeah. and stressful mm. and irritating and just, like, won't be timely immediately. Yeah, 
No, I was just thinking about that too. Cause I mean, in like the X books, they've definitely set up Russia as an antagonistic country uh, uh, with Krakoa and like the stuff with Mikhail and X Wars to your point, Clark, and also within the 10 lives of Wolverine as we were reading last week, you know, he's, he is the, the person behind uh, Omega Red who also is a Russian supervillain. Um, so I, I, it's going to make things really fascinating, but like, I mean, not to get too geo, geopolitical in this podcast, but since we've already opened this door, um, what's weird is like there is a it's there. It's not unanimous that people are like anti-Russia and pro-Ukraine in this country. I think a lot of us are, but like or like at the very least, like if not pro-Ukraine, certainly anti what Russia has done. But there's like I mean, there's there's like like parts of the Republican Party that are like like incredibly pro Putin, Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson, you know, and um, Mike Pompeo, you know, have come out essentially like, you know, shitting on Biden, uh, which politics is politics, but then like basically, um, uh, you know, basically uh, like just congratulating Putin for being a strong man. Yeah, well, um, Russia sucks and should be burned to the ground. Um, Go Ukraine. Anyways, what else is happening in the news? (laughs) Nothing important. Uh, Clearly nothing is important to that. Uh, Slightly important. Um, Let's talk about some other assholes. Yeah. (laughs) Stupid garbage person, Evangeline Lilly, is super supportive of any anti-vax truck monsters that she happens to come across. This is in regards to last week's um, and the last three weeks before that. Um, the, the Canadian trucker version of what we're about to suffer through in D.C., where all these anti-vax trucker dickballs surrounded Ottawa and just fucked up traffic. Just, you know, tell Justin Trudeau he sucks for having any sort of mask mandates at all. Meanwhile, now this week we are getting it in D.C. You guys are getting it in D.C. because I'm out of town this week and I hope it's terrible but no, it's it's not going to be different. DC sucks. I mean, DC traffic is horrible, anyways. So they're not going to know any different. Um, so do we hate Evangeline Lilly still? Do we hate other people who believe and support this thing? I do. I mean, yes. I mean, she's terrible, uh, and she's been saying a lot of anti-vax stuff mm-hmm. already. And I mean, she was out there like telling Justin Trudeau, "Oh, just meet with them. Just yeah. you know, just meet with them. Like they they have valid concerns. It's like no, they're." like they're a bunch of big whiny babies that are, you know, uh, adding to the supply chain issues, you know, in North America. And it's just like, they're just awful. And like, you know, the fact that they were going to come and try to do this here and try to do it in some other places, like clearly France, like experiences as well. It's like, um, like Kevin Feige must just be like, why do I have like these problematic actors like her? And is it Letitia who's going to be playing? Yeah, Shuri and Black Panther. Um, it's just like, oh my God. Can't I mean we've got the multiverse coming up. Let's just recast them. Recast them. And don't yeah, even explain first, it. Yeah. The first I question am. that needs to be asked is do you trust science before <laughs> any other thing before they even look to hire anybody else? That's question number one for me. Yeah. I am pro Simu Liu because he obviously posted a, like a few things because he lost his grandparents to COVID. So was trying to obviously say like wake up and listen um and i like to to that point i'm like i think people vax hesitancy is okay if you're actively looking to really hear answers 
to your problems. If you're showing up just to complain that you don't want to do something that could save lives, that's the problem. And I, and I'm not saying that every single person involved in these convoys is one or the other. Um, it sounds like some are more the other of like, just sort of not being hesitant, not wanting to learn, not wanting to move on. It just feels like you're, it's just fighting a tide. And it's like, I, it just doesn't, I, I don't know. I, I just hate, I hate this conversation because it's just, it should be so simple, right? Like it should be so easy. It should be very clear. Um, and still it's like, there's so much misinformation that intelligent people who have subject matter expertise that have done these things specifically to save people's lives are being like, you know, sort of this like anti-vax methodology is just like, oh, it's killing me. Um, so non-news wise, non-real news wise, um, Marvel has teased a possible new Ant-Man. We've got a picture that has the original Ant-Man, which is Hank Pym, Irredeemable, and then the Thief, which is Scott Lang, and the Future, who has lots of big, shiny, lit up knobs all over him. Do we think this is like a <laughs> Spider-Man? I mean, do we think this is a 2099 thing? Do we think it's just going to be the new one going forward it says the future so is that like the immediate present slash future or future you know, i wasn't i wasn't thinking about 2099 until you mentioned it but that's actually a really good suggestion um because you know scott lang is going to remain ant-man um in the mcu and then you know there's been like multiple people who've always uh, like had that uh, had that mantle so to speak uh, it just wouldn't make sense for them to replace him unless it's just a new costume. But then I don't understand why they would, why they would do it, do it that way. So I like that idea of it being a 2099 kind of a thing. I could also see maybe it's more of, cause it's more of a plot like arc than it is being like a full on person change. Cause like, maybe it's like new, maybe he gets transported to 2099 and has to get a new suit and then brings it back to the present. Um, where did who posted this, Adam? Where did you find this picture? So people, uh, people just on random it. Facebook oh, channels. Okay, dark, everyone, look at random. Sorry, the Facebook dark, thing. the dark web. Yeah, I'm sure. Web. I'm sure if you type in "do the future Ant Man," you'll get it. But which is your I, least favorite picture of the four? That one is actually my least favorite. I don't like that picture at all. The costume, I should say. Which costume is your least and best? I think the best is. I think the original is my favorite just because it's so fun and retro. Uh, and um, my least favorite is the irredeemable one. I love the irredeemable one so much. Do you, do you really? I just think uh -huh. it's too busy. It's too like, it's too like early 2000s for me. This just in new information that was posted i think probably yesterday but all i found was the image first <laughs> you fucker. is that al ewing and tom riley are doing a four issue series launching in june for the character's 60th anniversary so oh, that's what this is all about. that sounds it, good okay so it's something. So it is the future that is the future ant-man design at the end that we're looking at well, um, we love al ewing so that's great it's very futuristic. Well, anyways, um, what was the last thing we had? Something that I don't care about. Uh, Paul Cornell is doing a, a comic series of George R. R. Martin's Wild Cards for Marvel Comics. Kalen, talk about it because I don't know much about it at all. So I read the first uh, Wild Cards uh, novel. It's actually an anthology like years ago. I was a kid and it's because 
Marvel under its epic imprint would publish it. Um, and I was like, oh, this seems interesting. And then like I read, I read like the the uh description and it was like, oh, this sounds like the X-Men, but realistic, you know. Um <laughs> And I read it and like, this is the first George R.R. Martin stuff I ever read, even before like Game of Thrones. And it's actually really good. Uh, it deals with like super powered individuals in the real world. Uh, and it's a result of, um, you know, alien interference. And so they have like, you know, uh, aces who are like people who become like, have superpowers, jokers who end up becoming like more like Morlocks. Like they are like to have vis visible like disfiguration and can't like, they, you know they're not they uh they can't pass and then you have black queens who end up becoming um you know uh they end up dying from this this alien virus immediately uh the reason i'm really interested in it is because not just nostalgia but paul cornell is a phenomenal comic writer who hasn't been writing uh much lately uh from what i can tell i think the last thing he did was like uh the uh the death of wolverine like the actual death of wolverine from like like six seven years ago uh, but he did a series that Clark and I both love, Captain Britain and MI13. Hmm. He did a he had a Wisdom, uh, as in Pete Wisdom, miniseries for the defunct Max uh, imprint for Marvel uh, in the 2000s, and he's yeah. he's great. He's like he's written for Doctor Who. He's phenomenal. Just a really good British writer. So definitely want to be picking that up when it comes out. Yeah, it sounds exciting. I I want to read it. We ready for some yeah. issues? Oh god, I forgot about that. Okay, go. <laughs> the one of the main things of our podcast. I didn't remember it. Uh, the issue is our weekly recap of all things X, along with a few of our favorite Marvel House writers and characters. This week we have Ten Deaths of Wolverine number three. And that's it. But it's written by Benjamin Percy and uh, drawn by Federico Vincentini. Moira stays on the run, this time chasing down an IT billionaire to give her a new arm and save or maybe ruin the world through robots and an 11th life. Doc and Gabby and Wolverine chase down Phalanx Logan only to discover he's actually on their side? What? What did you guys think of number three? I, so I like this series a lot more than lives and I've said that before, um, only because it's not so much about Wolverine, it's about Moira who is a very intriguing character uh, as Hickman has written here. Uh, I think the issue I have is Percy is a fine writer, but he's not a Jonathan Hickman. So uh, off podcast, I was telling Clark, you know, I reread like the end of powers of 10, which sort of set up the, um, you find out what happened in the sixth life of Moira when like Wolverine stabs her, like in the far, far future before the ascension that happens. Uh, and then I read Inferno uh, which was the, you know, uh, the miniseries that Hickman, like, you know, left the X-Books on and then, like, basically, like, was the predecessor to Ten Deaths of Wolverine. And then I started, you know, rereading Ten Deaths of Wolverine. And it's like, it's like, I was like, oh, I wish Hickman could have, like, kept yeah. writing this, you know, is, is, is my only thing. But there's some really intriguing things that are happening. And I've got some, you know, some, based on stuff I've read online, some interesting theories that are out there about what Moira is really trying to do. So uh, that's what's making the book much more interesting than than the sort of days of future past meets terminator of the 10 lives of wolverine do you do you think that like what do you think that this was originally hickman's book to write like uh, knowing that he was like leaving they kind of pivoted away from the myra book and said let's just combine it with the wolverine sort of plot or because i think to I, your point this feels like it should be a hickman book given that 
all this stuff arches on Moira's new ability and just general path. I think it's like it's it's speaking of George R. R. Martin, I think it's like a George R. R. Martin situation, like when he hadn't finished the books and you had yeah. Benioff and Weiss on Game of Thrones taking his notes and then like kind of finishing off the, the, the season. So it's like you had the broad picture, but then you had writers that weren't as talented, uh, didn't have the same kind of chops coming in to sort of like fill in the gaps and put in the details. So that's why I am, I'm like, I'm intrigued, but I'm also like uh, wistful of like what could have been. Yeah, no, that's fair. Clark, what are your thoughts before we dive this, into theories? I feel like this just muddled everything to the point where I don't really care anymore. Like I, I was fine with Moira up until this, I keep saying episode, issue where I've been questioning you guys lately, just in general, like what, what her plan is. And I'm not reading online like Kaylin is doing. And so it's just doesn't make too much sense to me where she wants to at some point, she mentions that sometimes she wants to cure everybody. And then also she wants everyone to come freaking machines. And I'm like, I mean, you know, join up with the uh, phalanx and stuff. And I'm just, I think they should have chosen one of the two when they decided to do this whole series and not fucking mix and mashed and all this kind of shit because they keep going back and forth also doing none but then doing both at the same time and then everyone says a different goddamn thing at a different goddamn time now she's meeting with some random man to do all this stuff and then and then like i don't i i it's i don't really i don't not interested anymore he's not just any random man he's an extremely hot billionaire yeah the who we just met and we're like, okay, great. We're halfway through this, over halfway through this miniseries, and here's some guy. Clark, if you met an extremely hot billionaire when you turned 50, wouldn't you just change your entire life to date that person? If I, if I only had one arm, the other arm was a robot. But you wasn't, needed a robot then... arm to make the ascension happen in the future so you could kill a phalanx wolverine. You know wouldn't what? I'd you make it. the I'd same choice? Um, well, so, yeah. So, Caitlin, only tell us the ones. Make sure to mix the one that you think is real with the other ones, because I don't want to be reading this the entire time thinking that whatever you told us is the way that this was going to go. These are theories. These are theories, and this is based on some stuff that's been online. But I I think it's got some some uh, some legs to it, so to speak. Uh, The reason why there's that kind of combination of the cure plus the combination with the machines is you got to remember that this is Moira's 10th life B 10 life 10th life a was when the mutant succeeded, but then you had, uh, you had Omega Sentinel, uh, go back in the past as a result of that, like that, you know, that trickster phalanx person to like change the past. And by basically creating Orcus, bringing Nimrod online earlier, um, and so um, Moira realizes this and is like, okay, this is now my contingency plan of like uh, the only way mutants survive is if they become humans and join in with the machines. And it's, it's almost like she almost, I think she decides this in Inferno when Charles and uh, Magneto tell her, have we ever thought about joining with the machines? And she's like, are you fucking stupid no absolutely not and then she realizes okay this is the only way that we're going to be able to do it is like if we turn human we will eventually become part of the phalanx and eventually part of the dominion it, that's the only way that we have salvation it's like by completely destroying who we are so it's 
I mean, she's an incredibly compelling character. I mean, she's amoral as fuck, but mm-hmm. like um, what the what Hickman was able to do and what Percy is doing to a certain degree is creating uh, creating a really complex X Men villain. And as we've talked about before, because all the quote unquote like evil mutants are now on Krakoa, uh, almost, or almost all of them, it's like how do you create villains now for uh, for these folks, you know? Mm-hmm. And so having Moira be this kind of villain is interesting. The the sort of the future phalanx Wolverine uh, is interesting because um, I think he's being sent back by future Moira uh, to kill like. Um, present day Moira for some reason, which I still haven't quite figured out yet, but uh, it's, it's, it's not perfect. It's muddled. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm a lot more intrigued about this series than I thought I was ever going to be. Well, if that's I would, the case, then, then I support, then I support her. I knew you would. <laughs> I mean, if it's the only way you can do it, it's the only way you can do it. I, yeah, I think to your points, like I'm excited about the mystery. The mystery feels muddled, which is exactly the like problem of not having someone as as intelligent as like Hickman writing it. I do think there's probably like a good payoff coming. I just hope that it's not 17 pages of exposition, or it's not assuming that you'll remember everything that ever happened since Hickman's run started, because it is getting very hard to keep kind of track of the larger than life motivations rather than the more day-to-day like existence stuff. Like just, we've been so far away from the phalanx content that I hope that they'll continue to grow a primer around it and house. Like I just need a Hickman page like or a double page yeah. that just shows me how all these pieces interconnect and why everyone's making the decisions that they are. It, it's kind just of at this end. point in the comic, we should know exactly what her motivation is. For With present day, where we, should, we should, yeah. We should know exactly what President Moore is thinking to the nth degree. She's talking to this man. She because she told him everything, but she told him everything off page. I, I get yeah. it. It's supposed, maybe it's supposed to be a mystery, but it should not be at this point. Maybe past, excuse me, future. We can that can be a mystery still. But no, this we don't have enough page for this. It doesn't. It just feels like we're gonna. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say or how to say it. It's frustrating. Well, I, whatever I, now. I, I mean, again, this is the X-Men. And so, um, you know, it's the story is not going to end with 10 Deaths of Wolverine, you know, like yeah. the Destiny of X books. I mean, this stuff is going to, I think, will continue. And what I like about um, the uh, the billionaire, uh, whose name is escaping me, um, you know, it's mirroring kind of what uh, Omega Sentinel did with the founder of Orcus. It's like, uh, you know, uh, Karima, like, found him and helped him create this. Moira being not a time traveler, but essentially an immortal until now um, or until very recently finds this guy to come in and she convinces him like your uh, cybernetics, you know, your experiments, your uh, vision is going to help save humanity. And so um, it felt a little rushed. uh, But again, I think that's just sort of an indictment of some of Percy's writing versus I think the major plotting that's going on. The narrative like is definitely still very interesting it's all just it's it's like one of those things where i do hate like like an inferno which i loved because it was so tight so smart and all wound i do hate i want more of the uh i want my ten of swords back where there was like twenty thousand chapters that all kind of made sense this this does feel like a five issue i mean i know it's 10 issues total of the, the lives and the deaths 
but given that they're not super intertwined, it's like really just two five issue miniseries. And I think I agree, Clark, that this feels rushed, but I do really, I want to know what's happened with the narrative. I like, it feels like it's taking risks. I don't know if that's going to end up in a good way, but at least it's like something very like exciting and interesting. So we've been talking, we were talking before about why the title, why the title now? Why do you think it's called the 10 deaths of Wolverine at the moment? We thought originally it was gonna, he was going to kill 10 different important mutants and that's yeah. not happened at all. He killed one and then now he's just been doing whatever the fuck he's been doing. Well, oh, do you think that they'll somehow, because isn't the current Phalanx Wolverine is the sixth Wolverine, right? In all these worlds? No, I'm just... he's not. No, 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 no. Uh, oh. the, the sixth life of Moira is, is done. So what you saw in the future at the very end of this issue the is the assumption it's the assumption that it's 10B and a phalanx Moira sent back Logan to the past to kill her. Kill her or deal do something, which we don't know yet. So do you think the 10 are is it Moira's 10 instead of Wolverine's? If it's 10, I don't know. It's not really his there, he's not doing shit with 10 deaths at all on his part. No, I just think it's one of the, it's one of those titles that like oh that sounds really cool, but what does it really mean? It's because because we don't really have ten lives of Wolverine either. But look, we've seen. I think we've he's gone through like you know Three. we've seen like an earlier yeah like his earlier existence like the the what the 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 T Max Wolverine the very young Wolverine like you know uh, in the early twentieth century. Um, the one where like he's in the I guess in the 1960s when he's with the woman who's uh, Dawkins' mother, you know. So we've seen like four. The infographic page um, for that one has ten. There are two that ha- have not been filled in yet. There are two blanks, but oh. the other have been filled in with different time periods. Got it. But I don't know. I don't. I mean, none of us give three shits about that one. So whatever. <laughs> it is funny how, yeah i really wish that 10 deaths was just 10 issues because the lives part isn't interesting at all i'm hoping i'm hoping that percy brings it together at the end why these have been like intertwined miniseries it just they like my, you know uh, my fa- yeah my favorite part about lives ha- was it being that plot line being featured in deaths where they're like wolverine or they're like logan's a little busy right now and i'm like yeah it's i'm glad that that's like this is yeah. all happening at the same time at least that's kind of cool i um, was glad to see uh laura gabby and dokken uh i think that was pretty cool mm-hmm. like i'm glad like they're, they're like them. yeah i'm glad that we never have to see jimmy hudson from x-men blue again clearly oh god why did you remind me of him why awful the awful ultimate universe wolverine terrible isn't, he, isn't his name poison now didn't he like join with like a symbiote oh and then he, that's but then, then right. he unjoined? i don't remember he's gone for my that life poor guy he terrible. Was, like, terrible. He was cute at least but never <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do yeah all right any other final thoughts on where we're heading with four issues left and two issues specifically of deaths nope have all fun right. Let's do some Peacemaker. Do you really want it? Do you really want it? Do you really want to? I forget the rest of the actual <laughs> race. Close uh, enough. You got it. Yeah. There we go. Uh, we did watch Peacemaker season one, a little bit outside of our wheelhouse, but obviously 
very fun. Let's talk really quickly. If you haven't seen the show and you don't want any spoilers, you're going to miss out on a plug me daddy, but you'll definitely want to turn off the podcast because we are going in. Uh, this is the first spinoff from the Suicide Squad movie. Peacemaker takes place five months after the events of the James Gunn directed film. Christopher Smith, a.k.a. the Peacemaker, finds himself recruited by an Argus Black Ops team to take out the Butterflies, a race of small parasitic aliens who take over humans, invasion of the body snatcher style. Throughout the series, Chris bonds with his new teammates, reunites with his best friend Eagly, and permanently deals with the traumas of abusive, racist, piece of shit father, the supervillain known as White Dragon. Obviously, like we said, there's spoilers ahead, so please turn off this podcast. Uh, otherwise, Kaylin, what'd you think about Peacemaker season one? Uh, I so when it was announced, uh, I was like, huh, why? Uh, and even after I saw the Suicide Squad movie that came out last summer, which was surprisingly good, uh, but I guess not that surprising because James Gunn is, is talented. Um, I didn't think that Peacemaker, even though John Cena is easy on the eyes and can be very charming was the character that I, I would have picked to do a spinoff. Mm-hmm. Boy, was I wrong. Um, this show surprised the shit out of me. I, you know, it's it's got a lot of that kind of James Gunn humor, which can be grating at times, but it worked really well because I think there's a lot of heart and pathos in the series. Um, I think Gunn does a really good job of uh, taking the piss out of superheroes but at the same time showing how much he loves them. Mm-hmm. Like it's a really fine balance, you know, it's not like the boys, which is like a very dark, you know, take on uh, like uh, superhero archetypes, but you know, there are some similarities between the show. Um, I just thought it was great. Uh, I think the cast had a ton of chemistry together um, and the plot made a lot of sense. Like there was no episode where I was like, Oh, this is filler. You know, yeah. like it propelled the plot, but it also allowed some characterization. And um, while I'm not a fan of the genre, I like that Gunn uses music to like fill out the world. And so, you know, uh, Christopher Smith, uh, Peacemaker, his favorite music is like 80s hair metal, yeah. you know, and it's just it's just it's like almost like a character unto itself in the series. So uh, and that was great. What did you think? I second uh, your thoughts. I I think what made this work and probably why I was also initially hesitant was the fact that, and actually the reason why Suicide Squad also existed, like Gunn is really good at ensemble property. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was great. The Suicide Squad was great. And like when it was just Peacemaker, I was like, well, okay, why the fuck would I want to watch that? And it's because he was smart enough to build a very fun, very interesting Argus Black Ops team around him. So everybody on the cast, I think, was really hitting on cylinders and was really well cast for the characters they had. I think there was a little bit, like you said, and it definitely got on me where I'm like, Gun's comedy, like I could, it's like all pretty funny, but it tends to get, it can turn into like, what is that like? sometimes like white guy 2000 comedies sometimes, but overall, and especially because the cast was so diverse, I think you had a lot of better, more interesting jokes that, you know, were plays on certain things or punched up at certain things. And and in all honesty, Leota and Peacemaker's relationship, absolutely the fucking defining mark of the show. And obviously like also probably 
what you see in a lot of working relationships. Like, I mean, it was very to the T of like a little bit of like a backwards, like maybe you just misguided white guy working with a person of color or someone of diversity. And that person of diversity being like, uh, are you sure? Like maybe rethink that or think about this. And I think what works for Peacemaker is that he's he's played off a lot like American Dad, right? And like Stan Smith works mm-hmm. in many ways, much more than like a Peter Griffin or even at this point nowadays, like a Homer Simpson, because there's an intelligence, like a weird openness on certain things and then a weird closed mindedness on certain like there's a there's a viability to the character that allows them to feel like they would actually learn, grow, and develop while also being stupid fucking idiots half the time. And like it just works for me. And I enjoyed what like what they did with his character uh, beyond even just like the additional characters that we'll talk about. But I love their their interaction. The way I thought about uh, Chris uh, throughout the season was like this is a guy that listens to Joe Rogan's podcast, but definitely has some queer friends. And yeah. you know. Where like we'll eventually wear a T-shirt that says like uh, trans rights or human rights, you know, like this guy, like it's just like, oh, can you not have your problematic stuff? But you're so well intentioned, and like I know you've got a good heart, you know, um, like the the line you said about like climate change is like, oh yeah, like that's really happening, and everyone's like, no, you fucker, it's actually yeah. happening. And well, and I liked what I liked too is that the the characters reacting weren't aggressive in a like well that's really like and i i mean i like i don't i don't think i don't think cancel culture exists i think people make decisions and people are held accountable to them but i do appreciate that they had the like they also played all the characters as like not even necessarily willing half the time to have the discussion but at least call out how stupid certain things sound without like guiding somebody along and honestly like i was watching the show and i'm like this depending on the audience, which I, you know, can assume is a lot of 18 to 34 year old white straight men, you are likely to hopefully maybe open some fucking eyes and get some interaction. I mean, just like even in the ending with Leota kissing her uh, wife was like such a phenomenal ending for this type of show where it's obviously going to hook a lot of people in that are like laughing with Peacemaker, laughing at Peacemaker, laughing, like not realizing they are Peacemaker. Like there's just a lot of good to come out of this show because I think they dealt with some heavy topics, but in a fun, casual way that a lot of people kind of need to really understand and internalize these issues without like being lectured or, you know, otherwise kind of thing. I think James Gunn like understands the DC um, EU better than like a Zack Snyder and watch all these Zack Snyders come and dox me. Uh, Zack Snyder fans come and dox me um, or like, you know, uh, Patty Jenkins or any of the other folks who've yeah. like, you know, been the architects of, of the DC uh, extended universe because like he, th- like he understands that these characters are inherently silly, yeah. like DC even more so than Marvel. And I say this as a, a fan of DC comics, like he knows that like you have to sometimes take the piss out of them to be able to really, um, uh, to really enjoy them, but like at the same time, they don't become these sort of like you know punchlines or jokes. At the end of the day, they they still uh, they still have arcs, character arcs. Yep. Uh, they have a lot of uh, you know like there's a morality in the show. Um, I think that works really well. Um, I really wish he would just take over like all of it. I know it would be like kind of a rated R like comic book uh, uh, cinematic universe, 
but I think it could work really well. That's what, that's what they should have. Like, I mean, you're totally like, that is the way they create a connected universe that has a different, that is differentiated from the MCU. Like the previous justice league, like all those movies fail because to your point, they take them too seriously or they mimic an MCU adventure model. Whereas like this gun model is the dark raunch, like mature universe that can bring a lot of people into it and make them excited. Like I, uh, I watch this mostly by myself, but every time my boyfriend sat down to kind of pick up on an episode immediately was in laughing at jokes, connecting with content, like, this is the stuff like this is definitely the level just like suicide squad was that gets people like up like i think that could really get a a, li- a larger broader base than just your snyderverse fans um and and can consistently allow them to produce quality content over and over again um the only thing i didn't like about this season um and there wasn't a lot to find to dislike but i know people like kind of like lost their shit about the cameo at the end so spoilers uh look after they like take out the butterflies um the justice league shows up and they actually have um jason momoa as aquaman and ezra miller as the flash and then they had a couple of stand-ins for superman and wonder woman respectively and it was like like i i kind of chuckled at the joke but i wish they had sort of just kept it separate you know like these, they mention all these characters, and like I love that Chris has all these uh, conspiracy theories about about these various characters. And then there's like one point I can't remember which one, but Economos basically goes, no, 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 uh, he's right about that one. He's bullshitting about everything else, but he's right. actually right about that one. But like bringing in like the existing actors into it was like, ah, uh, it's like it's like it, it was a connection that I didn't need. I thought it was just going to, to your point, I thought it was just going to be silhouettes. And I think having, like, it's a it's a cute, like, tongue-in-cheek, like, eh? But it doesn't really add value. Like, I think what they could have done without even having to pay for the cameo is just had them literally do the, like, he, the line was just, you fucked a fish. Like, get out of here. Go fuck a fish. We didn't need the beat of, like, Jason Momoa talking to Ezra Miller that, like, you know it happened. Yeah. At first, it doesn't match the tone of the existing Justice League content. And it also just seems like, why? yeah, it's like, why throw these people in? Just leave them as like shadow silhouettes for right now, unless you're going to actually um, use them. The thing that, that rubbed me, not necessarily the wrong way, but it's part of like watching and continuously seeing gun ensemble films is that it does feel like he's a bit crib noting because I thought a lot of Peacemaker... And like a lot of the relationship dynamics felt a little cribbed from a Guardians of the Galaxy type thing. So particularly like Peacemaker and uh, Amelia Harcourt's like budding relationship. I mean, Amelia Harcourt is fucking Earth Gamora. Like she's super smart. She's Mm. fucking kick ass. And then like she slowly learns to love this fucking piece of shit. She certainly loves to like connect with this broader world while he realizes that he can play a bigger role in people's lives. And that's really, it wasn't bad. It just felt like a very strong, like mirror archetype, mainly towards the end when they kind of had that, like, you know, let's talk in that, like, let's connect in the hospital sort of thing. But overall, Harcourt as a character, I loved. Um, and I liked, I think it, it is James Gunn's now fiance uh, as the actress. Yeah. I enjoyed her in that role. Um, and particularly the peacemaker vigilante relationship 
it was, I don't think it was crib noted from anything. It did feel a little um, like Star-Lord talking with maybe like a Drax. But what I also laughed about was that the two of them together reminded me of like a dirty version of the tick because it was like Peacemaker is like a giant idiot, like the tick, big superhero complainer type. And I'm like, he's, he's reversely does it. He is best friends with vigilante, but doesn't necessarily want to be. But Vigilante himself is like what Arthur would really be like if you had superpowers and were like completely neurotic with no real like direct dimensional connection to like self kind of thing. And I like, first of all, Adrian, like that actor fucking hot, but also that actor incredibly amazing at that fucking role. And that like, I don't want them to have their own show. Like if this is an ensemble show, they all can't have like some disconnects, but like, God damn yeah. did Vigilante add so much value to the show the entire season. Oh, no, Vigilante was, like, definitely, like, being the breakout uh, star. And it's funny because, um, you know, I watched the season like, kind of all at one time, when right when the uh, the uh, eighth episode was coming out. And so I'd seen clips of Vigilante in there, and I was like, God, this B-list, D-list, C-list character, like, you know, is going to be on it. And everyone's, like, talking about him. And, I mean, the character definitely has his fans. Uh, and he even had his own series in DC Comics in the 80s. But, like, they... What I love about it is Gunn just put his own characterization on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause like the characterization of like Peacemaker in the comics uh, and Vigilante, you know, like they're like, again, like, you know, people have read those comics, but you, you can, you can kind of fuck with them a little bit and like yeah. be subversive a little bit. Whereas I, when you mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy, like I love the first Guardians of the Galaxy a lot. And the second one has its charms, but I think the characterization of certain characters uh, just, rub me the wrong way and mostly i think it's because i don't like chris pratt anymore so his mm-hmm. star lord just annoys the fuck out of me and like he's not like the comic book version of uh of star lord mantis was completely written i think in a jokey way yeah. uh rather than the way that she's written but you know she's kind of got a kind of a goofy visual so that's what gun was probably going for there mm-hmm. uh but it really worked for me worked for me here um what i really liked also about this season uh the end of it is when you had the butterflies, you know, the main, the main one uh, taking over Sophie Song, the, uh, the Asian American, like police detective who was a phenomenal character, both before she got taken over and after she got yeah. taken over. Um, just a great, great actress, um, you know, basically says like, look, like join us. We're here. We're trying to save this world. And he completely just like blows her away. <laughs> and I was like, not expecting that ending. Uh, but like the whole thing of like, we created a kind of a moral quandary of like, she's right. Like humans have fucked over, you know, our ecology, our environment, you know, and like, there's really no way of pulling us back from the brink and she wants to do the right thing, but do it in the wrong way. So I, I, I really kind of like, uh, I like that, like that it's, it, it, it helps out that moral quandary there. There are, that's an interesting point because there are a lot of like, concepts where we fight off the alien invasion or something else happens and we realize how much better we are but no one ever really does the like what happens afterwards because to your point especially if it's more of like command control rather than like literally i'm going to obliterate your planet it's like we'll just take you know we'll kind of take you over and like we'll have a you'll have a great life but you probably won't remember that much of it you'll just have the memories you used to have i guess you'd create more memories but it's like Again, like if you were to stop like mind control or body snatcher stuff, it's like all the problems still exist. So it's not, 
it'd just be like an interesting and very dark turn to be like, yeah, we stopped an alien invasion, but now we're still, everything's going to go to shit in like five years or whatever. Um, yeah. Somebody write that. So, <laughs> um, so it, uh, it, Peacemaker's already been renewed for a second season, uh, and James Gunn's also mentioned there's going to be another spinoff in the Gunverse, the Suicide Squadverse. One, what would you like to see in the second season? And two, what do you think the other spinoff will be? Um, second season, I think probably him still dealing, and as they kind of showed in the ending, him dealing with the ramifications of him killing his father, but also still kind of living with that memory fragment in his head of like his father being around i definitely want the team back together i love the idea of the kind of like series season long mission because i think that's mm-hmm. what really worked is that there was no each one should definitely be an open and shut case in some way so that, that way the characters can have arcs and it could also be whenever it stops i thought it was just a really tight you're exactly right there was a really tight paced eight episodes um for my Another from the Suicide Squad and like who would show up? I really don't know. It's like hard to, I just don't know why they wouldn't include some of those people in this show. Like it's hard for me to think about all the characters were fun that ended up surviving, but I don't know I need to see them do another. I don't know how how this, how it could be that different from a Peacemaker type situation, right? Well, while still being interesting. What do you think? So I think the second season will deal with the outing of Amanda Waller. Uh, yeah. and, uh, no pun intended, but I think <laughs> Amanda is going to send a, like another Suicide Squad team after this now this Renegade Ar- Argus team. So I think they're, yeah. they'll, they might be on the run. Uh, and then I think the spinoff, and I have no insider knowledge. This is all speculation. Remember the villain of the um, Suicide Squad was Starro. Uh, and so I think James Gunn is going to want to do more like sci-fi alien stuff mm-hmm. in the spinoff. That's not necessarily about Task Force, Task Force X yeah. or, or Argus or anything like that, but kind of exploring some of the alien uh, worlds in the DC universe, which we haven't really seen yet. Uh, if you yeah. think about it, like it's all been very earth based, you know, the exception like Krypton and then like, you know, you know, the butterflies coming in and, and, you know, Starro and the Suicide Squad movie. So I think is there, you might want to explore that. Is there like a goofy space hero that he could put 80s music to and have them fall in love with the hard as nails uh, fighter woman? <laughs> I mean, uh, he could do like Adam Strange, mm-hmm. uh, who's like a kind of like, like a Buck Rogers type character set in the DC universe. Um, so um, that might be a way to do it, you know, like, I will, the 80s music does get, it's very catchy. It does get exhausting, but also it's really hard because it's just his brand. And I do feel like I don't, I like both hate it while also enjoying it the entire time. It's like such a frustrating experience because I'm like, oh, here we go again. But also it's good. It fits really well. Like, and especially for this series, it certainly fits super well. Um, yeah, agreed. He loves like the old, like the application of like older music to be like, Look at this, pretty cool, huh? Like it just like I'm just like okay, bitch. Like I get it. It's very uh, Zach Braff, Garden State, but actually talented. Yeah, there you go. That's funny. Um, all right. Yeah, no, so it sounds like else? a watch from both of us. So pick it up. It's on HBO Max. You can watch all eight episodes uh, right now. Yeah. So, and if you listen to what we just talked about. We hope you have already watched it. And uh, oh yeah, you, right. <laughs> if, 
finish it up. Yeah, or you know, tweet at us or send us a message on Instagram with what you think about the show as well. So uh, as we always wrap up, uh, we like to do something called Plug Me Daddy, where each of us gets a chance to quickly highlight something we've read, seen, heard, experienced, and wanted to share with you. Our slut mouths? Is that what we're calling them now? The slut mouths. <laughs> Every okay. week, you got to keep them, keep them guessing at what terrible commentary we're going to call people at the end of the podcast. So what did you want to plug, Adam? I am going to plug the final season, or I should say the second half of the final season of Attack on Titan uh, just started premiering earlier this year. Uh, it has been a wild ride. If you've been watching the series, this is its fourth season. And I would say the first two seasons were very interconnected. You couldn't really tell too much of a difference. The third season there's a relatively larger swerve. And then the fourth season, huge swerve. Um, and it's mm. been super exciting and interesting to watch. It continues to really keep me on a, the, my toes in a good way of where and how this is going to end up. There's like double crosses, triple crosses, not even knowing what kind of crosses are going on. Like, it's really interesting. I do hope it kind of nails the landing. It's getting a, it's, Obviously, it's a show about fucking giant humanoids eating people. So, like, there's some explanation for it. And trying to really understand that explanation and have that explanation be satisfying is interesting. But I think it's all coming together pretty well. Animation has been kicked up a tremendous notch for particularly this final season. Lots of really good 3D effects on the Titans. Um, but, yeah, without spoiling it, I would say if you haven't picked it up, now is the time. Um, if you don't remember and you maybe haven't caught the last season, there's a really great like two hour mini movie. I think that's at least on Funimation, but it's weekly for uh, if you have Hulu, it's weekly releases of the episodes. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely check it out. And I'm so glad I started this. I read the manga years ago at this point, and I just bought all the final issues of the manga to try and finish it before the anime wraps up just so I can see the slight adjustments, but it also feels like it's been a very, very picture perfect recreation of the manga. So I also love that because you're not missing anything if you watch the anime, which can sometimes happen um, easily, especially when the manga and anime aren't finished together. What about you, Kalen? Uh, well, first, uh, Attack on Titan, I have not watched or read any of it. So now that it's ending, I think I'll finally be able to like get yeah, into it and like watch it all at once. Uh, but the thing I want to plug is so, recent artists i've gotten into uh ella minus uh she was in dc uh this week uh and she played at a club called flash which uh some of us go to from time to time it's a really cool venue great great sound system just like really looks like you're like in the middle of tron when you're there uh but her music was so freaking good and like they have an amazing like like kind of like dj setup uh but she actually came down to the floor and performed oh. and so with like her like i don't know like she was like with her decks and her like keyboard and like her microphone and it was just like this like super interactive like just like high energy like it just felt like it felt like a very spiritual experience the, the friends i was with we were all like it was a uh, it was a wednesday night show you know it's middle of the work week for me i was like all right like she didn't come on until midnight and then oh about God. an hour yeah, it was an hour-long set, so she finished around 1 a.m., and I was like, I just want to go home and go to bed. I'm an old man now. And, like, she blew it out of the park. So check her out. 
uh, Ella Minus. Uh, she's on like every music streaming app you can think of. Um, but yeah, if she comes to your town, definitely go see her. I love it. Uh, well, you can find us on Spotify as a streaming app. You can also find us on Twitter at Homo X and Instagram at Homo Podcast. Please rate and review us so more people will listen and then we'll become super famous and we'll take you along with the ride with us because obviously we started here with all of you and we love it so much. Uh, we've been Homo Superior. Make sure to watch something after you've watched it as always and have a great fucking rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.